BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy last year by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Discover BetMGM, the betting app sports fans in the Capital Region turn to for nonstop action all winter long. Take the excitement of football, basketball, and hockey to the next level with same-game parlays, exclusive signature bets, odds boost promos, and much more. Plus, now you can sign in, place bets, and manage your cash balance under the same BetMGM account in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. With the same username and password throughout the DMV, it's never been easier to play with the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app today. BetMGM is an authorized gaming partner of the NBA and an official sports betting partner of the NHL. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Please gamble responsibly. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Shall I take your order, or do you need a minute? Yes, I'll be ready. Just buying a car on Carvana. What? It's super convenient. I already got pre-qualified in two minutes. All I had to do was answer a few questions. What? That's handy. Yeah. Now I'm customizing my down and monthly payments. What? That's an exquisite deal. And just like that, Carvana's delivering my car in a couple days. What? Oh, yeah. Uh, sorry. I'll have the burrito. Visit Carvana.com to finance your next car. Financing subject to credit approval. Delivery fees may apply. Let not your heart be troubled. You are listening to the Sean Hannity Radio Show Podcast. All right, so I have insomnia, but I've never slept better. And what's changed? Just a pillow. It's had such a positive impact on my life. And, of course, I'm talking about my pillow. I fall asleep faster. I stay asleep longer. And now you can, too. Just go to MyPillow.com or call 800-919-6090. Use the promo code Hannity. And Mike Lindell, the inventor of MyPillow, has the special four-pack. Now, you get 40% off two MyPillow premiums and two go-anywhere pillows. Now, MyPillow is made here in the USA, has a 60-day unconditional money-back guarantee and a 10-year warranty. Go to MyPillow.com right now or call 800-919-6090, promo code Hannity, to get Mike Lindell's special four-pack offer. You get two MyPillow premium pillows and two go-anywhere pillows for 40% off, and that means once those pillows arrive, you start getting the kind of peaceful and restful and comfortable and deep-healing and recuperative sleep that you've been craving and you certainly deserve. MyPillow.com, promo code Hannity. You will love this pillow. All right, happy Monday, and we're glad you're with us. Write down our toll-free telephone number. We'd love, love, love to have you be a part of the extravaganza. Linda, what do you think the odds are pretty high that all of those, those, you know, alt-left propaganda, destroy Trump, hate Hannity media might be tuned in right now dying to hear from me? What do you think the the odds are? The ones in their underwear? Yeah, well, no, the ones in their underwear are the ones... That these, you know, this is a media story. As long as I've got their attention, I might as well take advantage of it, right? I should. I mean, if these are the guys that actually get dressed but still sit in the basement, then yes, absolutely. Take full advantage. Yeah, no, these are the ones that actually get dressed and and actually show up for for work. And they're kind of paid propaganda. So it was on full display. It was so disgraceful this weekend at the White House Correspondence Center. By the way, aren't you proud of me 30 years in radio 
What? Did, how many years am I in Fox? Twenty-one and a half now. I don't even know anymore. That's yeah, a very long time. Very long time. First of all, you've been there forever. 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 All right. So, are you proud of me? I, I have never been to a White House correspondence dinner ever. You got to admit, I, I think I'm probably the only one. Now, people ask all the time, "Why don't you go?" I'm like, I'd rather hang out with people that I like and well, like. You tell me. them the truth, right? Because you you can't wear jeans. No, I think I actually could get away with wearing jeans. I wear jeans everywhere. You know, I showed up at the, what does it call it, the Hollywood Reporter thing, and the, the guy was so nice to me. He actually said to me, we, my guy said, this is the first red carpet event you've been to in like 12 years. And I'm like, I think it's longer because I don't do these things. And I went with a friend as a request of a friend, and uh, that's just what I do. Um so anyway, so but the people that this should be a media story because you don't have these same groups of people doing the same thing to those on the left. Um, and that is sitting in their underwear being paid. Now, imagine conservatives paying people in their underwear in their basement to monitor every conservative on radio and every minute of the Fox News channel, every minute of the day in the hopes that somebody says one thing that they deem so awful and politically incorrect that they can't tolerate so they can organize boycotts and get that person fired. Now, that's what I've been referring to in the last week is liberal and media fascism. So for all our friends tuned in in the media, maybe I'm talking about you. Um, what else were they going to say today? I forgot. Oh, I don't even remember. Well, I think you should also add that a lot of those guys might be out of their basements today because they're being paid to protest in the May Day protest. So they're getting getting double paid today. Yeah. Do we have any uh, sound from the May Day protest yet? Has that come out? It kind of sounds the same as all the other protests. We could could just play any audio from any previous protests and it's the same thing. I'd love to get to the bottom how many people might get paid to agitate, organize, and and gin up all this stuff. Yeah, a lot of them sound like this. Yeah, okay. To be a joke. I cannot believe this is happening. I'm literally about to f-ing kill myself, and I'm not kidding. You better f-ing fix this sh- right now. <sighs> I literally am gonna die. I need an ambulance. You know they're calm, they're meditative, they're uh, one yeah. with their they're one with their message. It's it's a peaceful. The whole world is watching. Yeah, the whole world. All right, you know watching. all these cliches, things. Here's the the great news about what the president has is that he has control of his own destiny. And that's why last week I was saying, especially as it relates to funding the border wall, and they made this deal. And Larry Kudlow, my friend, who's a really bright Reagan supply side economic guy, will be on the program later today. I've always admired him. He's friends with guys like Mnuchin, who I don't know, and Cohn, who I don't know. I mean, he's known all these Wall Street guys all of his career. And, you know, but the assault on media, the alt-left propaganda destroy Trump media, is, is they have, like, been foaming at the mouth angry since november 9th and to think that they are the supposed champions of freedom of speech and to watch what happened at berkeley last week with ann coulter i don't care if you like ann coulter don't like ann coulter or or milo or don't like milo or like sean hannity or don't like sean hannity like fox news talk radio rush mark laura none of that should matter but when you have well-funded orchestrated attempts to silence opposition in this country, I would think that those that might be the most caring and or at least proclaim publicly that they care about 
liberty and freedom of speech and expression and the free and open exchange of ideas and ideals and opinion, their voices have been silent as conservatives are under attack. And as all of these things happen, and which shows great hypocrisy, I mean, that's transparent. But more importantly, they don't understand the danger of all of this, and that is that freedom of speech, as we know it, is under assault. And, you know, college campuses, ideally speaking here, they ought to be bastions of free, open exchange, passionate exchange of issues. It was Laura Ingram who said to me last week on TV, she goes, you know, just imagine Ann Coulter at Berkeley and the students have an opportunity to engage her, challenge her views on immigration. Remember, her speech was supposed to be about the the immigration laws in the country, which, by the way, are all in the books today. Now that they're just finally being enforced, now all of a sudden it actually means something. Um, all right. So I, pr- I probably shouldn't keep these people on the hook long, should I? Yeah, maybe I will. And uh, I mean, can you imagine you're at the New York Times, you're at your desk, you're sitting there right now, just saying Hannity spit it out because I can turn this vile spewing, you know, hatred off. You know, and this is another point about the left, as long as I have their attention, might as well lecture them so maybe they can learn something of what it means to be a conservative. I'll explain to you. If if you want to understand conservatism, pay attention Because we are not this caricature that is painted against us every four years in elections or every two years in elections. I can lay out a history on this program with pinpoint accuracy. I'll start in 1998, you know, Missouri radio ad saying that if Republicans are elected, black churches are going to burn. You know, straight on through James Byrd ad in 2000 against Bush, quote, it was like my father was killed all over again. Well, George W. Bush, then as governor, supported the death penalty for the, I won't even call them human beings, for the people responsible for this evil, heinous act against an innocent man. You know, you can go to 2004 and 2008, and, you know, it's all the rhetoric of all the left. I've got it all on tape, and I play it all of the time, and Al Gore is like, Republicans have the wrong agenda for African-Americans. They don't even want to count you in a census as he speaks before a predominantly African-American audience or, you know, the bizarre, you know, change of tone and cadence that liberals and presidential candidates in particular have when they go before predominantly black audiences in America looking for votes. It's horrible. It's it's insulting. And yet what do Republicans really stand for? What was this election about for all of you snowflake liberals out there in the media what was what really happened in this election how is it it's not by accident that pennsylvania wisconsin michigan ohio all easily well not that easy but they all went donald trump in what was a historic wave election that none of you people saw coming hello i i saw the possibility because i was out there on the road and i saw the crowds and i talked to the people and None of these people saw it. They went into a state of depression. I, I think it's going to be a case study to go back and watch the faces of those people in the media that night when, they, when they're slowly coming to the realization. Maybe we'll play this in the next segment or at the bottom of the half hour, Linda, of our montage of people about how the, the media was reacting that day. But 
you want to know what this election was about and why I, as a conservative, supported the president is very, very simple. Conservative policies hopefully will work by getting rid of burdensome regulation in the coal industry and the energy sector alone will create potentially millions of jobs. People will save their jobs. Becoming energy independent is good because that means people will build the Keystone, Dakota Access Pipelines. People will build the rigs for drilling in the 48 states and offshore and maybe in Anwar. Fracking will create an energy boom. We have more natural gas than the, in, in terms of energy resource than the entire Middle East combined. And we could be energy independent. And that's great for American foreign policy. And maybe we won't be dragged into a a foreign conflict, a war unnecessarily, because how often are they really deep down about the free flow of oil at market prices and our dependence on foreign oil, countries like Saudi Arabia that hate our guts. You know, Hillary takes, by the way, millions from them and they abuse women and women can't drive and women can't travel without a male permission. They can't leave the house without a male relative and gays and lesbians are, are literally killed and assassinated and put to death and they persecute Christians and Jews, but that's all right. None of you in the media paid attention to that in the in the last election. And, you know, but what do we conservatives want? We're looking at 95 million Americans out of the labor force. None of you reported that Obama, that was his legacy. None of you in the media reported that Barack Obama added 13 million more Americans to the food stamp rolls. Those of you in the media didn't include an 8 million additional Americans in poverty after Obama, or the lowest home ownership rate in 51 years after eight years of Obama, or the fact that one in six American men, 18 to 34, are either in jail or living in mommy and daddy's house. Now, as a compassionate conservative and as a guy that started as a paper boy, a dishwasher by hand and a cook and a busboy and a waiter and a bartender and then a house painter and then a paper hanger and, and then a house framer and a roofer and a tile layer, two decades of my life working hard, that I want those same opportunities that I had for every American. And it's a crying shame. I know all of you in the media are comfortably overpaid in most cases, including myself. And I know that most of you in the, in the media may not relate or identify. But 95 million Americans out of the labor force, these are real people. These are real families. This is real suffering. 50 million in poverty and food stamps. This is real misery and suffering. And government with all of its great intentions, has failed to help these people out. That is who Donald Trump appealed to. And if we don't get this economy going, a 15% corporate rate is going to cause corporations to invest in, in factories and manufacturing centers here, allowing trillions that people, corporations, multinational corporations park overseas to bring it back at a low tax rate is going to help them and incentivize them to invest, to build here. Energy independence creates jobs for those 95 million, for the 50 million in poverty and food stamps. Are you guys not getting this? You know, but you never told the truth about Obama's radicalism. You never told the truth in this last election about the failure of Obama. And you never vetted Hillary. As a matter of fact, many of you, your newspapers, your media outlets, CNN and the New York Times, you colluded with Hillary and it was proven via WikiLeaks. So I know you're all tuned in today, all happy that Hannity's about to speak. Yeah, I'm about to speak. But first, I got to take a break. And in 
pure capitalist form, I'm going to pay homage to our next advertiser, which makes it possible for us to be on the air in spite of attempts to get advertisers to boycott shows like this and shut us down because you don't like what we say and you don't even go out there and speak out against it. Any of you, do you? And I'd never do that to you, nor would any conservative I know. All right, my team is, we're not having the best time ever. We really are. And because we know, Linda, how many extra media people do you think are tuned in right now? Oh, gee, I don't know. I just think I got to keep them on the hook, don't you? I think that they should get ready. Get and ready stay, for and what? Just get ready and stay tuned. Just get ready and stay tuned. Hashtag get First ready. thing they're going to say is, who tuned. is this Linda lady? Who is she? And then they're going to ask is, you know, we do have a great crew here. And let me introduce them to the media. We got sweet baby James, uh, who's the nicest, kindest, sweetest person on the face of this earth, hence his nickname. Linda's from New York. She starts every sentence with, first of all, coffee, talk radio, how you doing? And we've got Sunshine, who is Lauren, who is like the, the most innocent, nice person you'll ever meet in your life. And then we've got Ethan, who never shaves uh, like he should. And then we've got Jason at the controls, and he's got the coolest mohawk I've ever seen in my life. And I'm, I mean that, right, Jason? It, I wish I could be – I don't have a – what did you – one day you had to tell me what swag meant, right? What did you have to teach me? I was so stupid. I'm not sure what I what specifically I taught you, but please don't do the mohawk. It, it would look terrible on you. <laughs> you don't think it would look good Although on you TV? Although you as a blonde would be interesting. Well, that's true, because yours is you're, it's a blonde mohawk, right? Yes, it is. Yeah. And you're not a natural blonde. I'm just guessing. What, what was the giveaway? <laughs> I don't know. You want to tell anybody? I, I have no idea. Well, I'll I'll just, just let guessing. people use their imaginations. Oh, my God. You're, you're training the dog to be a service dog, right? Correct. And when do you have to give treat back? Friday. Okay. So this is going to be, you're going to be crying most of the week, right? It's already started. And I already offered to buy the dog and even pay for all of the training and make it a show dog, didn't I? Correct, but that's but not But you're going to get the dog back anyway because it's not a smart dog. This dog is lovely, the kindest, sweetest, funnest. Unlike your last dog, which like was a puppy and half dead and didn't move, this dog is alive and fun and keeps jumping on me even though you keep yelling at it not to jump on me. And so what you wanna, you're going to give the dog back. You're going to cry for a week at least, and I'm offering to buy it. In, in, even with the training fees associated, and I said I'll make it a show dog, and I'll pay all the vet bills, and I'll pay for all its food and bones and everything it wants, and you won't let me buy it. You're a nice boss, but it's not fair. She's got to go through the process. She's not going to pass. Nobody believes in that room. It's any, raise your hand. Anybody that thinks this dog is going to pass this test. Hello, Linda. She's going to pass. I have a big bet on her. She's going to pass. Yeah, okay. That's not what you told me privately. Be honest. Quick break. Right back. We'll continue. Donald Trump, just last week, he confirmed to the National Review that he is again considering a run in 2016. Do it. Do it. Look at me. Do it. I will personally write you a campaign check now on behalf of this country, which does not want you to be president, but which badly wants you to run. Donald Trump has been saying that he will run for president as a Republican, which is surprising since I just assumed he was running as a joke. Is that people think that Donald Trump is a clown. Do- Donald, Donald Trump is a clown. I mean, does anybody seriously think that Donald Trump is serious about running for president? Donald Trump, you know, he's a clown. Which Republican candidate has the best chance of winning the general election? 
of the declared ones right now, Donald Trump. President Obama will go down as perhaps the worst president in the history of the United States, exclamation point, at real Donald Trump. At real Donald Trump. At least I will go down as a president. So basically, this is the beginning of the end for Trump. The beginning of the end. The beginning of the end? This is probably starting of the beginning of the end for, for Donald Trump. Donald, uh, you're not going to be able to insult your way to the presidency. The strongest person usually isn't the loudest one in the room. So right now, we have Hillary's about a 75 or an 80% favorite. We have different versions of the forecast you can look at. Paul has Hillary Clinton up by double digits nationally, 12 points, 50 to 38, four-way race. Clinton leading in Florida, Clinton leading in North Carolina, Clinton leading in Ohio, Clinton leading in Nevada. I could go on and on and on. Uh, I continue to believe Mr. Trump will not be president. And so, right now, Mr. Trump, to answer your call for political honesty, I just want to say, you're not going to be president, all right? It's been fun. It's been great. I love you. Come on, come on, buddy. We have a major projection right now. Donald Trump will take Ohio. That's it. And projects Donald Trump will carry the state of Florida. Huge win for Donald Trump. Donald Trump, while we project, will win in Kentucky, in Indiana, with its 11 electoral votes. West Virginia, Florida, Tennessee, Mississippi, South Carolina, Alabama, North Dakota, uh, with its three electoral votes, and South Dakota, Texas, Arkansas, Louisiana, the state of Montana, North Carolina, Georgia, Iowa, Utah, Wisconsin, Arizona, Kansas, with its six electoral votes, Nebraska, with its five electoral votes, and Wyoming, with its three electoral votes. Sorry to keep you waiting, complicated business. A lot of people have laughed at me over the years. Now they're not laughing so much, I'll tell you. All right, that is for our friends in the media tuning in today. Because one day they're going to go back and they're going to study the the drawn faces. And, you know, I described this to a friend of mine on election night. I never work election night. And Fox always wants me to work election I'm like, nope, nope, nope. And what I do is I stay in my sweatpants and I have my baseball cap on and a T-shirt. And I have like five different TVs in front of me. And I'm watching, 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 watching. But more importantly, I have my computer on in front of me. And I'm looking at Broward County returns and and Palm Beach County returns and um, Cuyahoga County returns and 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 Hamilton County returns. What I'm trying to do is figure out who's winning. And most times I get it right. And I can tell you right now that I I had it right before anybody else and and told my friends at, at the Fox News Channel. And then they insisted I call in that night. And I did. I absolutely did. All right. There's a lot of news. So I'm trying to explain to the media that you don't understand conservatism. You don't understand. You know, of all people, I was watching the circus. The circus is is a Showtime Halperin and what's the other guy's name? Heileman and uh, what's the McKinnon, whatever his name is. And, it, you know, it has the potential to be the greatest show on earth. And they call it the circus. And I, I like the show. I'm not going to lie but when it has Bernie, Diane Feinstein, Elizabeth Warren, and some other liberal, it's like unwatchable. 
And I'm like, guys, you know, split it 50-50. Try and be somewhat fair. Even their reaction, I watched the night that the election results were coming, and even they were depressed, uh, like the, everybody else in the media. But it's it's such a good insight when you watch how this media gets it wrong. And I remember, I remember Donald Trump Jr. this year, Election Day, with just a few minutes left in the show, calling in because the exit polls came in 5.15 Eastern time. And it basically showed that Donald Trump had lost everything. He lost Ohio. He lost Florida. He lost North Carolina. He lost Ohio, Pennsylvania. Uh, I said Ohio. Um, uh, Michigan was kind of, it was all gone. And they were hearing, like, especially the panhandle, southwest Florida, the, the results, exit polls showed that there was a very low turnout in areas that were considered uh, Donald Trump territory. And he called and he said, hey, you know, let's get out the vote. And I put him on and I reminded him that, in 2004, those same exit polls showed that John Kerry was the president. And I remember Dick Cheney in 2004 got off a plane, called this radio show, and told people, get out and vote. How does the media get it so wrong so often? How is that possible? And it's because they're so abusively biased is the answer. You know, I've said journalism is dead. We have a media information crisis in the country. And, you know, what's happening now more than at any other time that I have seen, anybody that is close to this president likes this president. I do. I think he's a man of action. I'm, uh, Republicans in the Congress are weak and pathetic and visionless and feckless and spineless. They can't even get health care done, although we're told again we're going to get health care done this week. Gee, if they can't get it done this week, I just I, I don't know. We, we need new leadership for sure. We really were going to need new leadership. And this president's a guy of action. They didn't give you the first hundred days of accomplishments the way I did on TV. They're not going to. I did it on radio. I'm not going to repeat it because that was last week. But I mean, the list is significant. And the president continues today. Washington Times has a piece today in the ultimate nightmare scenario for Democrats. Trump is promising to choose his next Supreme Court pick from the same list of conservative jurists that included Neil Gorsuch. Oh, Trump keeping a promise. This is what they're having a hard time understanding. In that sense, he's not the quintessential politician. He's not even the Republicans in Congress. And there are some good people. I would tell you that what I know from behind the scenes, were it not for the Freedom Caucus and guys like Mark Meadows and Jim Jordan and all of those guys in the Freedom Caucus, this health care bill that we got a chance on this week wouldn't have happened. Because the, I talked to Mark Meadows the day they canceled the vote on that on health care and every day since. And I talked to all those other guys every day since. And I'm in contact with guys like Louis Gormert on a regular basis. And these guys worked tooth and nail day and night. I'd say 100 hours a week trying to get this done working and doing Paul Ryan's job, which is building consensus and getting the varying coalitions that exist in the Republican and Democratic Party, but in this case, the Republican Party, together on a bill that they can support. You know, you would think that that's Paul Ryan's job, not hide a bill that nobody saw, not build consensus, allow intramural fighting all over cable TV and talk radio. Anyway, so the president's keeping his promise, and he actually said the Washington Times asked specifically whether he would pick from the list of candidates that he gave us before the election he said it was unequivocal yes the list was a a big thing you know just like last week 
you know, when I while some other conservatives were not giving him any slack on not fighting over the CR and the funding of the wall, the only reason I am giving him slack is because he has been keeping his word. He is checking off the list. Again, too long to go through now. So the replacement bill may finally be at hand. I mean, should I do these guys need a, a, a big hand here or something? Well, they need something. But it's it's kind of pathetic. But anyway, White House National Economic Council Director Gary Cohn, we'll get into this with Larry Kudlow at the top of the hour, said that he and other members of the Trump administration are convinced we've got the votes in Congress to pass legislation to repeal and replace, replace Obamacare this week. And the Freedom Caucus is supporting it. Because the Freedom Caucus, they reached out to the Tuesday group and the study group and the moderates. And they also worked through the challenges that this bill will face in the Senate as it relates to rules of reconciliation, the bird rule, cloture, etc. So the Senate is teed up so we don't you know, get the House bill passed, the Senate bill fa- passed, and then have conference where it just blows up in everybody's face. They've thought three steps ahead, so there's a chance that this gets done. Anyway, so is it going to undo all of Obamacare? No, but it is a great start. And remember, the average person doesn't care about anything except this. They don't know what cloture is. The average person doesn't need to know about cloture or reconciliation or the bird rule. The average person wants to know whether or not their health care insurance costs are going down. Their premiums will go down because they went up $5,400 in the time Obama's president. And many millions lost their doctors and lost their care. Key promise, broken, Obama. And they want to know they're going to get a better bang for their buck and better care and more access. That's all anybody cares about. And free market competition will do that. And allowing for these health care cooperatives like our friend in Wichita, Kansas, who I'm still mad at because of what he and Linda did to me last week trying to get me to take off when I was sick. I, I don't, still don't sound 100%, but I am 100% better. Anyway, so... They think they have the votes. Reince Priebus, the White House chief of staff, in, an, in his own CBS interview after Cohn this weekend, said he was optimistic. So we'll wait, watch, and see. And, you know, I, I don't have a crystal ball. I mean, anything can screw this up. <laughs> it was pretty funny. How many people, this is, what you gotta, this is where the media doesn't understand Trump. The funniest thing I think he does is like when he's giving these town halls, Look at what happened this weekend, and we'll get into this later in the show with Michelle Malkin and Joe Concha of the Hill. I mean, the things that were said about him this weekend are so disgraceful, but yet so typical and predictable of a media that absolutely hates him. You know, and at his at his first hundred days rally, it was great. CNN, MSNBC are fake news. I love that. And look at the media back there. They would actually rather be here. I have to tell you. That's right. Media outlets like CNN and MSNBC are fake news. Fake news. And they're sitting and they're wishing in Washington. They're watching right now. They're watching and they would love to be with us right here tonight. 
It's so great. So they're chanting CNN sucks. It's hilarious. I mean, because they are biased. And in the meantime, they got Steve Bannon's a Nazi. Jeff Sessions, a racist who uses the N-word. And then, of course, uh, a liar in chief, Trump. And you got the head of the White House Correspondents' Dinner out there saying, we're not fake news. This is outrageous. A panel on CNN blowing up. I'm so, so sad for America tonight. And I'm like, I'm so proud of America. White House Correspondents' Dinner, Jeff Mason, we're not fake news. And it's, it was so indicative of how bitter and how angry and the vitriol that has existed for against this president from day one. And I got to tell you, now it's expanding. If you support this president, even the president's, well, forget, I, I know Don and Eric can take it, but you're going to attack a 10-year-old kid and you're going to attack the president's wife and his daughter son-in-law okay he's in the he's in the political arena but then you're going to attack kellyanne the way they've been vicious to her and reince previous and steve bannon and stephen miller and sean spicer and, and then anybody and everybody that dares support him there's i've been in this business 30 years on radio nearly 22 years of fox the mission is clear destroy anybody and everybody that supports this president. That's the environment I'm working in now. And by the way, I'm very proud to announce I am so fighting back and loving every minute of it. I am. And there's there's there, absolute nobody knows me or understands me. They never have. They never will. They don't know what motive. You know what motivates me? Helping the country get on the right track. That's it. Nobody believes that. I don't really care about me. It's not about me. It's not. It's not about any one of us. Are you expecting this package to move through reconciliation or through getting 60 votes? You know, I'd, I'd like to think that we can do this on a bipartisan basis. And I hope there are Democrats who cross the aisle and support this. So this is about a middle income tax cut. It's about making businesses competitive. And those are things that they believe in. So I would hope so. But if they don't, we will absolutely consider using reconciliation because we need to create this economic plan to create the growth that we need. As you know, the GDP numbers came out last week way too low. We can't continue with the economic policies of the last administration. We need to create jobs and economic growth. All right, hour two, Sean Hannity show. That was Steve Mnuchin, and he's talking about the deal that was struck this weekend as it relates to the economy. There really is no smarter guy on economic issues. He's a he's a real Reagan conservative. He's been a longtime friend of mine, personal friend, and uh, he's got his own show on uh, on the ex-wife in New York on a radio station and also on uh, CNBC. And uh, Larry Kudlow is back with us. How are you, my friend? Good, Sean. Thank you. Appreciate it. I'm surprised they let you out of prison to come on this program. It's shocking. <laughs> Only for Sean. You know, uh, there are a lot of conservatives saying, wait a minute, way too much money in here, not enough in terms of concession. Where's the money for the border wall? Uh, now you have control of the House, the Senate, and the White House. Why not fight for more here? I mean, and this goes back to my general frustration, not with the president, Larry, but with the Republican Congress, that they are weak and timid and feckless and visionless and spineless, and they seem unable to fight for anything except to fight for our votes in 2010, 2014, and 2016. Well, look. 
one of the one of the big issues, one of the crucial issues here is going to be Trump's uh, tax reform because it's a terrific package. All the rumors that he was going to throw out the campaign tax cut plan, which uh, I worked on, Steve Moore. Steve Mnuchin, Steve Miller, and others turned out to be wrong. He stayed with it, fifteen percent rate on business tax cuts. By the way, I was real. That's the biggest thing that is going to help the economy. Yep, it is. It absolutely is. It'll drive the economy above three percent growth. And the question is, will the House? Republican leadership buy into it. All right? They used to be supply siders. Paul Ryan, I've known him for a long, long time, used to be a Jack Kemp supply sider. Our argument is very simple. This thing can grow the economy at 3% a year. It's going right at capital formation, business investment, jobs and wages. That's what it's directed to do, large and small companies. If you go at 3%, Sean, you get what I call the mother of all pay-fors, and that's a three, uh, $4 trillion. Let me repeat that. $4 trillion increase in revenues to cover the taxes and uh, everything else you want to need. That's what's the key here. Will Ryan buy into that? He wasn't very good on health care reform, in my judgment. Uh, let's give him a chance on, on, on the tax cuts. Listen, i got to tell you something. It, the way this health care bill was handled was like malpractice. Huh. Now, if they don't get it done this week, I, I got to be honest, my patience is done. How about you? Because, they, look, Larry, Larry, we've been around this game a long time. If you're going to release a bill, you've got to let the varying coalitions that make up the Republican Party in the House at least read the bill. Uh, I agree. You've you, you got to build consensus, right, Larry? You've got you to gotta have the moderates and the Tuesday group, the study group, the Freedom Caucus, the Go Drinking Saturday Night group. Everybody's got to get together, and, and they've got to come to agreement and consensus rather than an all-out public civil war, which ensued. I can't think of a dumber way to have handled this. Well, you know, it's better. It, it looks like, to me, it's better when the House leadership stays out and just lets the different groups negotiate with each other. I mean, that's my sense of it right now. There is progress being made uh, between the uh, Freedom Caucus and the so-called Tuesday group, the moderates. There is progress. And the leadership from day one tried to keep everybody out, which I thought was weird. The other thing that was really weird, with this 51-vote uh, reconciliation business in the Senate, you know, um, Speaker Ryan was wrong. You could change insurance regulations inside reconciliation. He kept telling people you couldn't, and we'd have to have Plan 1, Plan 2, Plan 3. He was completely wrong. I mean, I, was, I spoke to the Senate Republican lunch last week. Steve Moore and I were down there. We were sitting next to Senator Mike Lee. He was the guy who talked to the parliamentarian. She said, nobody bothered to ask me. And wasn't, wasn't that an amazing strange. story? Because, strange. you know, we were going through all the contortions over the reconciliation aspect that they would face in the Senate and the bird rule and, you know, which, by the way, no single person in this country cares about besides wonks like you and me. And I wouldn't even call myself a wonk compared to you. But the average person wants lower premiums and more choices right. and better care. It's not and, that hard. And the key, you see, the key to that was so simple. We, we could have gotten this done two weeks ago, three weeks ago. The key is to get rid of the essential, man, essential benefits mandate. That was the absolute key. The second key is to allow healthy people to pay lower premiums than the uh, prior condition people. The prior condition people can be covered, and they must be covered, but that's a separate risk pool. Anyway, once you unlock these mandatory essential benefits, and once you unlock the different payment schedules for the healthy versus the sick, you're going to see a collapse of premiums and deductible costs, and everybody will happy. And in fact, more people 
will wind up signing on to private insurance in the exchanges rather than uh, fewer, as CBO says. So, but this could have been done. This was allowable under the rec- uh, reconciliation rules. And for the life of me, I don't understand why the House leadership missed this and then made us go back, you know, for all these weeks, back and forth, back and forth. I don't get that part. Yeah, I don't get that part either. All I know is this. If the president's economic plan is implemented and that means he's already getting rid of regulation wants to reduce regulations by 75 percent opening up energy and opening up the dakota pipeline and the keystone pipeline and drilling and fracking and 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 getting the burden off coal and the regulation and the war on coal over when you add that to a 15 percent corporate tax rate middle class tax cuts you add it also to the repatriation of trillions parked overseas coming back at a 10% rate, all that money is going to start flowing in. Now, I know it's going to take time. What did it take? The third year of Reagan's presidency till we saw the impact of his tax reductions. But that's going to result in massive, massive economic growth based on what we supplied side conservatives believe. And I don't see how it fails when you pump that much money and opportunity into into the economy. Yeah, you know, one key point here is... Uh, in the Reagan years, where I worked in the budget, the effective dates were spread out over three years. That was a big mistake. We argued, some of us argued against that. What you want to do, Sean, is make this thing effective right away. So let's say you get a bill later this year, you make it effective January 1st, 2017, the beginning of the year, and people will rush right in as soon as they see the timing, the rates, and the rules. So it actually could happen faster. There's no question in my mind you'll get at least 3% economic growth. And there's no question in my mind that it should be scored dynamically uh, for reconciliation. You know, the heart of this bill is the tax cuts for, for businesses, large and small. As it turns out, the research shows that when you lower the business tax rates, the biggest beneficiaries are, in fact, middle and lower middle income wage earners. Those are the biggest beneficiaries, not so-called rich people or rich corporations. Well, Larry, I, I don't know about you, but I, I never got a, a job from a poor person in my right. life. <laughs> That's it. If you have a failing business, you're going to have a lot of problems. And if you're you know, hobbled by regulations and taxes, it's going to be hard to keep the business going to create the jobs and wages. My point is that the GOP and I, I, uh, Mnuchin, Steve Mnuchin, who's terrific, is starting to sell this now. The research shows 70% of the benefits from a business tax cut across the board go to the wage earners. That's the key point. It's not only true, according to research, but it's an important political marketing issue. And I think President Trump, who's a great communicator, should get out there and say that. Yeah. Look, you know, I've been saying this to my audience, and this is what I was saying in the last hour. As somebody that started at the bottom in life, and I'm really glad that I did because I have just an appreciation of everything that I've had, all the opportunity this country has given me. Um, I just all, if we don't pay attention as a country, Larry, to the fact that 95 million Americans are out of the labor force, 50 million in poverty, 50 million on food stamps. You know, you talk about compassion. Do we, are we a compassionate nation that we can't put a stranglehold with government regulation on business and chase them out of the country? Who gets hurt the most? The corporations aren't going to get hurt. They're still going to find ways to make money. The people that have been hurt and are hurt and are hurting 
with the lowest home ownership rate in 51 years are those people in Wisconsin and Michigan, which has been devastated, Ohio and Pennsylvania. So those are the people that now matter. And this is the opportunity, I think, of a lifetime to get this economy back on track. If we blow it, if House Republicans are weak and don't get this done the right way, um, we, we have missed the opportunity in our lifetime. You know, the key point, I think, is uh, growth solves all problems, virtually all problems. If you're worried about poverty, you're worried about the middle class, growth is the answer. Growth creates jobs. Growth creates businesses that create the jobs. You know, Democrats love jobs. They just hate the people that create the jobs. Mm -hmm. You have to learn to get around that. Growth is the key. The Republican Party can be the workers' party, Sean, but it has to be the growth party. There is nothing more populist than overall general prosperity. So well said. All right, can you stay right there? We'll take a break. We'll come back. We'll have more with Larry Kudlow, more on the economy, more on the president's economic plan, what it means for the average American, and so much more. 800-941-SEAN. As we all know, job creation and economic growth is the top priority of the administration. Nothing drives economic growth like capital investment. Therefore, we are going to return the top capital gains tax rate and dividend rate to 20%, repealing the harmful 3.8% Obamacare tax on dividends and capital gains. That tax has been a direct hit on investment income and small business owners. We are going to repeal the death tax. The threat of being hit by the death tax leads small business owners and farmers in this country to waste countless hours and resources on complicated estate planning to make sure their children aren't hit with a huge tax when they die. No one wants to see their children have to sell the family business to pay an unfair tax. We are going to eliminate most of the tax breaks that are mainly benefits to high-income individuals. Homeownership, Charitable giving and retirement savings will be protected, but other tax benefits will be eliminated. This isn't going to be easy. Doing big things never is. As the president said during the campaign, we will lower the business rate to 15%. We will make it a territorial system. We will have a one-time tax on overseas profits, which will bring back trillions of dollars that are offshore to be invested here in the United States to purchase capital and to create jobs. The president is determined to unleash economic growth for businesses. This is not just about large corporations. Small and medium-sized businesses will be eligible for the business rate as well. As Gary said, we have had very productive meetings with the House and Senate working weekly to get this done. We will continue to do that. We are determined to move this as fast as we can and get this done this year. All right, that was Conan Mnuchin. How well do you know these guys, Larry? Because I know you know a lot of these folks. I don't know them. I know Stephen Mnuchin very well. I think the world of him. We uh, worked together all summer and fall in the campaign, particularly the economic and tax cut plan. You know, he was the guy a couple weeks ago who started talking about economic growth paying for the tax cuts. He was the first one out there. And that was a hint that things were uh, loosening up because a lot of us were worried that the campaign tax cut plan was being shelved and some weird stuff with carbon taxes and VAT taxes and VAT taxes, border taxes, were going to be 
uh, used to replace them, but it turns out not true. Uh, I was down there, saw Stephen Mnuchin quite a bit on uh, Tuesday night and Wednesday at the Treasury, and was in the West Wing quite a bit uh, on Wednesday. And um, you know, they're they're back, they're back, they're absolutely back on the right track with a tremendous tax cut plan. And I, you know, I think this is all coming from President Trump, and he's just pulled the trigger, and it's the right thing to do. And now we've got to herd the congressional cats into place. Well. <laughs> I like the way he said, we have to herd the congressional cats into place. Sound like uh, Trent Lott, remember his book from years ago? <laughs> you know, I, it's, do you think these Republicans, uh, trying to get into the psychology of this, when you beg for the House in 2010, you get it. You beg for the Senate in 2014, you get it. You, well, I can't say that most of them beg for Trump, but he won anyway, uh, in spite of even Paul Ryan, who, you know, said horrible things about him and opposed him and was never seen with him, which I found unforgivable in my mind. Um, do you think these guys are just afraid of their own shadow? Do they not? Are they rudderless? Are they principleless? Are they, you know, what's missing here? There's something missing. You know, all my life, Larry, and you've known me a long time and I've known you a long time. You know, I'm a maniac. I'm like, you know, I have a sense of urgency in every single thing I do, like you do. I think, you know, in a sense, Ryan said it. The day the first uh, the first effort at repealing and replacing Obamacare fell down, he said, "We we are a majority, but we have to learn to govern." I think there's something to that. Um, I'm not quite as tough on Paul. I think he needs to do better. You know, I think you saw it. The kind of urgency you're talking about was seen when Mitch McConnell, to his great everlasting credit, um, when he took the nuclear option for Neil Gorsuch. That was just terrific. Really, active courage and bravery. You know, from a guy who's a, a man of the Senate. He did it. Mm -hmm. That's the kind of attitude they need across the board. Be bold, be tough, have a backbone, and uh, be urgent, as you put it. you got to get this done. This is the year. This is the year. Yeah, you know, great. i got to run. Larry Kudlow, this is always appreciate you being on with us. Uh, you're a good man, one of the uh, really good guys. Appreciate it. Thanks. 800-941-SEAN if you want to be a part of the program. Uh, we'll take a quick break. We'll come back on the other side of this. We have the other news of the day. We'll get to that next, including Michelle Malkin and Joe Concha of The Hill on media and the correspondence dinner from the weekend straight ahead. All right, 25 now till the top of the hour. Toll-free telephone number on this Monday is 800-941-SEAN if you want to be a part of the program. Here to analyze the first hundred days, the insanity of the snowflake left, the liberal biased, abusively biased news media, the assault on conservatives everywhere. And she has an unbelievable column out today, Malkin Manifesto, straight talk about women in the workplace. Uh, our good friend from CRTV, Michelle Malkin Investigates, is Michelle Malkin with us. How are you? Good. How are you doing? I can't keep up with you, Sean. You're the Energizer Bunny. What are you drinking these days? You know, nothing that I really want to drink but because uh, <laughs> I don't have time. But, you know, in spite of fighting a, a bout of bronchitis, which I'm getting over, thank God, um, you know, I'm just doing my thing, Michelle, just trying to, you know, take the high road and, and trying to survive in the day and age of... Smear, slander, besmirchment, character assassination, just an average day in the life of a conservative. Yeah, that's right. you got to run toward the fire. Well, I, I did hear last week when uh, Linda was chastising you about uh, trying to get some rest, but there is no time for that, is there? Yeah, and now, excuse me, you're on my side, right? Who has time for rest? <laughs> you know and what? When you're the boss, you're right. You've thank you. Tell her example. that. L Linda, are you listening? Yeah, she's shaking her head. <laughs> she's rolling her eyes. No. <laughs> 
Well, I can't believe. Well, anyway, she's she's making those faces at me. But <laughs> well, you know, let me just start with maybe this is the general question. To me, there is. Let me let me backtrack. November 9th, there was a state of shock. You know, I guess it's like the stages of grief and shock then becomes, you know, the different stages that you go through. Shock becomes, you know, anger and depression. They're in the full blown anger mode and they can't seem to get out of it or accept and there's also like this revenge mode that they're in too to destroy anybody and everybody that likes the president, like like you do and like I do. Yeah, I, I think you're right, and uh, they are running the gamut of every uh, serious pathology um, in, in 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 their refusal to accept uh, the election results, and they've cast a very wide net in in this campaign of of vengeance and and the vendettas. Uh, that the left and, and the media and Hollywood have uh, towards anyone who con- contributed in, in any way to um, the election results. And, um, and, and it's, it, it, it is a state of being constantly under siege. And, I mean, we've, we've talked so many times over the years, Sean, about, uh, about how, unfortunately, how effective um, the organized left is at at taking down its political and, and ideological enemies, and and I'm afraid that there aren't enough people that are following your lead in running towards the fire and and demonstrating um, to these unhinged operatives that they can't get away with it. You know, one of the things I've been trying to explain to this audience when I use the term liberal fascism, because that's what it is. But, you know, we work with we, we literally are put in restraints every day in this sense. I don't feel like I'm in restraints because I feel I can say everything I want to say. And but we know in the back of our minds every time we're on TV or radio that somebody's taping us, that's being ta- paid to tape us. And we know what their goal is, is that they want to find something they deem politically incorrect. It's not going to be against Bill Maher. And then they'll use that information. They'll start either a, a advertiser boycott or an outright attempt to just get somebody fired. And it doesn't matter. The truth be damned. It does, you know, the media doesn't matter. Somebody can make an allegation like recently happened to me from like back in 2003 yeah. that they've never made before. And rather than do a rudimentary, fundamental fact check Google search, they'll run with the cheap headline. Yes, that's right. And, and, and they'll do it by and through any means necessary. Um, and so, of course, you've got to, you know, push back twice. 100 times as hard for the truth to be heard, because um, when these people level false allegations, um, it, it is incredibly difficult um, to overcome, you know, the flood of, 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 of all of these outlets piling on, repeating the lies. Uh, and then to the extent that you can ever get a correction from these people, you either have to take the legal means necessary um, uh, to fight them in court, um, and then what do you end up with? You know, if you're lucky, um, in some of these cases, you know, a correction that's buried at the bottom of, you know, the D section of, of, of the newspaper. And, and, and that's why, I mean, that's why so much of, of my own career has been spent calling out the media for being the partisan and ideological shills that they are. Well, they really are. And, you know, well, let's get to your column for just a second here. You know, well, let me start with this. So the president, 
at his rally, which I love that he didn't go to the Washington Correspondents' Dinner. I, I have never been to one in the 22 years on Fox, 30 years in radio. Have you ever been there? I've been to one once. Uh, when I first moved to Washington, I stayed for about 15 or 20 minutes, Sean, and then I left because you could tell that people were so miserable pretending to like each other and to pretending to laugh at jokes that were dreadfully unfunny. <laughs> Uh, oh, it's the worst experience. Well, you, I mean, yeah, I mean, you heard them this weekend, and you know, Steve Bannon's a Nazi. Jeff Sessions a racist who uses the N word. Um, calling the the president a liar. Uh, the orange man behind the Muslim ban. I mean, this is what they really think. This is who these people are. Yes, and then the sanctimony of championing the First Amendment. Um, it was tweeted out several times that every table and chair had. First Amendment pins. It's the new virtue signal um, for all of these people who, who uh, couldn't care less about the First Amendment rights of people who disagree with them, let alone, you know, I, I thought it would be a wonderful uh, experiment to have had somebody go there and quiz these people on whether they even know what other freedoms are protected in the First Amendment, because they think it's exclusively, you know, for their own right and privilege to mouth off and use their platforms to advance their political agendas. Yeah, well, it's true. Um, does the media and their constant harping narrative, nonstop anger, attacks, conspiracies, does it have a long-term impact of, of diminishing the president, delegitimizing the president, hurting his opportunity to get his agenda passed? Because I, I think the answer is it, it, it may be did, yes. As long as he fights back and pushes back the way he did this weekend, I think that he's becoming more and more successful at diminishing their power and undermining their monopoly and, and their influence. I, I, too, so thoroughly enjoyed uh, the rally in Pennsylvania. And it was vintage Trump. When he gets up there and just you know plainly says, I'm in a better place with better people, and hearing the roar of the crowd and forcing these uh, CNN and MSNBC and the New York Times to have to cover it, it's, it's delicious. Listen, um, I agree with you. Every time, I think my favorite times when the president gets up and does one of these rallies, and it was, it was funny, you compare and you contrast. All right, so it's a typical liberal leftist media hate fest for Trump at the Correspondence Dinner. You know, then you get the defensive press. We are not fake news. They're so (laughs) insulted by finally being called out for who they are. And then you got a rock and roll president that is making everybody laugh and and tearing down the house (laughs) and transcending the media. I mean, you know, I was one of those people that actually was stupid enough to say to the president when he was a candidate, you better stop tweeting. Just stop. Just who needs this headache? In retrospect, I think and believe in my heart that I was wrong and that he was right. Mm hmm. And that him being on offense works. And if nothing else, at the end of the day, he's got, you know, something much bigger, a platform much bigger than the New York Times, CNN, MSNBC, or any of these major networks by going directly to the people. That's right. And uh, the fact that so many people were enjoying themselves at that rally and that he was enjoying himself, we, we definitely need to see 
more of that. Um, but, but of course, back in, in D.C., there are a lot of unpleasant things that, that those of on, uh, us on the right have to reckon with, and, and it's actually the real news. And, you know, these dum-dums in, in the liberal media, if they, if they were actually covering, you know, all of the serious policy debates and fights and infighting that are, that are going on, they actually could, um, you know, enlighten the American people, which is what they were all paying lip service to at the White House Correspondents' Dinner. I am appalled. I don't know about you, Sean, but this omnibus omnibus um, bill and 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 uh, you know reckoning with the fact that that big government is is here to stay and bigger than ever i'm appalled i'm appalled too and i'll tell you what else i'm appalled at. oh we might get to health care this week i'm like <laughs> oh i'm so inspired all right can you hang in there michelle malkin is with us if you haven't ordered crtv yet she's at crtv.com along with a great one mark levin and it is a great network and she's got her own program called uh, michelle malkin investigates dad bragged to reporters about his electoral college win and today he's holding a rally in pennsylvania mr president i understand i also wish we could do this election over the maker of american greatness again ran away from the vietnam war he ran away from two different republican debates and now he's run away from the correspondence dinner i guess we know why he wears those lumpy ill-fitting old man pants it's because he's constantly himself. All right, that was more from the leftist, alt-radical left, propaganda, destroy Trump media, the White House Correspondents Center. Yeah, they're right. Michelle Malkin is with us from CRTV.com. Yeah, they're right. He ran right away from the Washington Correspondents Center, right into the arms of the American people that embraced him with some appreciation for the hard work in 100 days. So, you know, I think it was a good choice. But I think that doesn't this sort of conduct by them at some point diminish them? At some point, don't the American people see? I guess there was 88 percent last week in a poll. American conservatives see the media is out to destroy Trump. Yes. Yes, yes, it is. Yes, oh. And by the way, all Trump. of us that support him. Right, right. Trump, what, what, what a cowardly person, uh, according to these, the Hollywood uh, political media establishment complex. Yeah, he was running uh, towards the American people who, um, who trust him uh, to do the right thing and running away from the narcissism fest. Uh, that, that, you know, where, where these people, what do they do? They're self-congratulatory. They pat each other on, on the back. I mean, I hope they don't break their arms patting each other on the back for how indispensable they are to American democracy and, and you know, guardians of, of, of our best interests. And um, I, I think it's, I think it's, I, I wish he would do this every weekend, you know. <laughs> yeah, honestly, I think the Can more do that? that he does reach out, here's the, here's the big issue and challenge I think for the republic how do you get the house republicans that ran on repealing replacing obamacare up to the speed of trump and the urgency of trump because it's not happening they seem dead in the water it's like pathetic i I don't understand people that roll this way yeah it's pathetic on every front and you know i've I've said this before i think when all is said and done after the end of this um, first term uh first of of two i i hope for for donald trump that when he looks back that um the, the biggest, one of the biggest errors uh, he made was supporting Paul Ryan um, in his, his last congressional bid um, and then trusting him at all <laughs> to, to, to lead the charge. This is not a surprise to grassroots conservatives, Tea Party um, members. 
um, people who have watched Paul Ryan's career as I have, you know, o- over these many years. But he talks a good game. I talked to him, creature. Michelle. I, I talked to him. like what he is. Well, what is that? Because he sounds, he wants to sound like a conservative. Well, he pays lip service on certain issues, but if you look at his actions over the years, whether it's been his advocacy for open borders, you know, his open alliances with people like Luis Gutierrez uh, and so many open borders, corporate special interests, um, his, you know, constant support for the refugee resettlement racket in the face of all of the damage that it's done to America from a national security perspective, from an economic perspective, welfare, crime, all of it, uh, to the game playing over the last eight years um, and the frustration that we've had um, over the lip service that he's paid to repealing Obamacare. It seems like, um, though, on, on the economy, now, on the economic bill, the White House is taking work. over. It seems on the economic side, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you, mm-hmm. that um, that the, the White House seems to be taking the lead rather than allowing the House to do this. Yes, and so even Friday was an incredibly significant day for the Trump White House, the rollout of very effective actual tax reform. Um, for for the people, um, the reexamination of the Antiquities Act. You know, this is one thing that's never going to get on cable news or be a headline. Um, but the, the the importance of rolling back the federal land grabs to those of us who no. live out in the West. I've I've been here in my adopted home state of Colorado now for almost nine years. Hugely significant. I'm I'm running out of time, but I I wish I had more time to talk to you. We really appreciate your your voice, your input. We'll see you on Hannity later this week. Thanks for being with us. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back on the other side. News Roundup Information Overload. More on this disgraceful White House Correspondents Dinner and the way Trump has handled it. All coming up next. Joe Concha, The Hill, will join us. We are here to talk about the truth. It is 2017 and we are living in the golden age of lying. Now's the time to be a liar. And Donald Trump is liar in chief. And remember, you guys our public enemy number one, you are his biggest enemy. The leader of our country is not here. And that's because he lives in Moscow. It is a very long flight. It'd be hard for Vlad to make it. Vlad can't just make it on a Saturday. It's a Saturday. On Thursday, her dad bragged to reporters about his electoral college win. And today he's holding a rally in Pennsylvania. Mr. President, I understand. I also wish we could do this election over. The maker of American greatness again ran away from the Vietnam War. He ran away from two different Republican debates, and now he's run away from the correspondence dinner. I guess we know why he wears those lumpy, ill-fitting old man pants. It's because he's constantly shitting himself. I love that everybody's drinking and having a good time. This is beautiful. You know Donald Trump doesn't drink, right? Does not touch alcohol, which is oddly respectable. But think about that. That means every statement, every interview, every tweet completely sober how is that possible you know that statement anything is possible used to have a positive connotation anything is possible now we're all like anything is possible free speech is the foundation of an open and liberal democracy from college campuses to the white house and i'm proud that all of us are here tonight to defend that right even if the man in the white house never would as you may know there's another big gathering taking place tonight in Washington, D.C. Did you hear about it? A large group of Hollywood actors and Washington media are consoling each other in a hotel ballroom 
in our nation's capital right now. They are gathered together for the White House Correspondents' Dinner without the president. And I could not possibly be more thrilled than to be more than 100 miles away from Washington Swamp. Spending my evening with all of you and with a much, much larger crowd and much better people, right? Right? And look at the media back there. They would actually rather be here, I have to tell you. That's right. Media outlets like CNN and MSNBC are fake news. Fake news. they're sitting and they're wishing in Washington. They're watching right now. They're watching and they would love to be with us right here tonight. But they're trapped at the dinner, which will be very, very boring. But next year, maybe we'll make it more exciting for them in Washington who will show up, but we have a good chance of showing up here again next year, too. The truth is, there is no place I'd rather be than right here in Pennsylvania to celebrate. All right, News Roundup Information Overload Hour, Sean Hannity Show, toll-free, our number uh, 800 Sean, if you want to be a part of the program. I am not commenting on any of the news and issues that are out there today publicly as it relates to where I work, and uh, I just am not going to do it. But anyway, you see the media, their fixation, their hatred. It's like a compulsive hate at this point, nonstop delegitimizing or attempts to delegitimize the president to hate the president. And the president just goes and does what he always does straight to the people with a bigger crowd, more fun, more lively. It was almost like a rock star reception he received. And I I found the correspondence dinner dull and boring like it always is. I'm proud of the fact that in 30 years in radio and what, nearly 22 years of Fox, I have never been to one of these stupid dinners because I can't stand these people and they can't stand me. One other person that they probably hate, I know he's not part of the group, is Joe Concha. He's with The Hill. He's a media reporter. How are you, sir? Hate is such a strong word. Well, I mean, I don't mean it officially hate. I don't hate anybody. The, the good book says, you know, thou shalt love thy enemies, but I have a lot of enemies. Well, I did go to the correspondence dinner on Saturday. I actually was on Fox on Saturday night in a tuxedo with uh, Kimberly Guilfoyle. You went to so that? Never outdress her, by the way. Who was? Who else from Fox was there? I, I, you, no one even asked me anymore. They 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 tried to force me to go one year, maybe ten years ago, and they said you have to. It's in your contract. It's part of your work agreement. You've got to go. Now you know that I never call in sick, which, by the way, became a big issue with Linda last week. 
By the way, that Saturday night, I just happened to get sick. It was the most amazing thing. So oh, strange. yeah. What did you get, Ebola, SARS? What, what was the affliction uh, <laughs> that, that kept you at home? Uh, neither nor. Okay. Uh, but I definitely wasn't feeling well that day. And then fi- I, everybody threw up their hands and said they give up. They're not trying anymore. Well. That was my first. And let's see, from Fox, I saw Shannon Bream, I saw Kennedy, I saw Guy Benson, a contributor, and Kitty Pavlich. But it, the room is so huge, and I got there so late because I was on Fox after the Trump rally that you just played, that I, it mostly I, I couldn't really mingle all that much. The mingling happens before, not after. But look, with, with Trump, what he accomplished, and the, there was a guy that used to run Fox named Roger Ailes that said that television is a visual medium, right? And what Trump was trying to accomplish was to get that split screen, Sean, where on the left you see Donald Trump with America, with Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, the blue-collar people, the populists, the people that voted for him, the people that put him over the top in the state of Pennsylvania in the 2016 election. Then on the right, there's idiots like me in my tuxedo, drinking my yeah. champagne, sitting back in Washington, and you get that juxtaposition, and that's exactly what he wanted. That's what the elite are doing. I'd rather be with you. Yeah, you know, and I think that was a powerful message. And I don't even think, in all honesty, that he's serious about going next year. I'd be shocked if he goes next year or the year after. You know, you hear the vitriol. And look, by the way, this is known to poke fun at presidents. And, you know, it's always created controversy going back to the the days my buddy Imus was there hosting. You know, that was the funny thing. They invite Don Imus to the White House Correspondents' Dinner, and he's Don Imus, and then they're shocked because he said to, you know, made a joke about Clinton and his infidelity, and I thought it was funny. But, it, yeah. but, but there's no animus, anger, resentment, hate in what Imus does. You know what I'm saying? And, and here there's just vitriol. That's the difference to me. Yeah, I mean, think about what Johnny Carson used to be, right? I mean, you never watched that and saw any hate coming from the guy. He'd poke fun at everybody, and everybody loved Johnny, and that's why he was, always will be the king of late night. But now the new brand is like what we saw on Saturday night, the White House Correspondents' Dinner, where, where Trump actually gets mocked because he doesn't drink. That's nice. Uh, but then you see Stephen Colbert every night where it's not really funny. It's more scathing political commentary disguised as comedy. Or The, the Daily Show, you know, is obviously just anger-filled as well. And Samantha Bee is probably the worst. I was on your network a couple of weeks ago where she actually made fun of a kid with stage 4 cancer. She didn't know he had stage 4 cancer, but it was going after all these young conservatives at CPAC saying that they have Nazi hair, right? I mean, how do you even do that to a 19-year-old kid who can't defend himself? So th- this is the new comedy it's really just biting political satire disguised as comedy, and it's hateful, and it's something that's, you know, a big turnoff, in my opinion. Yeah. I, look, I think it's irrational at this point, but I also think that that this president has them spinning. I mean, when you watch the media today, uh, this weekend, and, you know, here it is, um, liar-in-chief, in the orange man behind the Muslim ban, and Steve Bannon's a Nazi, and Jeff Sessions a racist who uses the N-word— First of all, it's not even funny, which is what this is supposed to be about, and how defensive that they they get. I mean, I was watching, I guess, one of the, the heads of the correspondents that are defensive. We're not fake news. We're not. We're really not fake news. And I'm kind of laughing because most Americans see you guys as fake news. And yeah. how many more stories are we going to hear about Russia? I mean, you know, with no evidence whatsoever. And that's how they roll. Sure. I know the big... Uh theme was from Saturday night, when you first walk into this dinner, they hand you a pin. It's a First Amendment pin. 
And then all I heard all night was how the First Amendment is under attack. And you mentioned Jeff Mason. He runs the White House Correspondents Association, and he had a pretty angry speech for somebody who's supposed to be somewhat neutral. He said, we cannot ignore the rhetoric that has been employed by the president about who we are and what we do. Any attack on any of us is an attack on all of us. There are threats to press freedoms here in the United States. We must, we must remain vigilant. The world is watching. Okay. Let's talk about access with President Trump for a second, shall we? I, I don't want to talk about rhetoric. Okay, he's mean to the press. He's critical. He's exercising his First Amendment right. There's nothing wrong with that. That's not suppressing the First Amendment. But here's what Trump has done in the past week. Nine interviews. Does he sound like Kim Jong Trump when he's with the Washington Post, when he's with the Associated Press, when he's with Reuters, Fox News, CBS News? Hang on. Hang on one one second here. Stay right there. We'll continue. Joe Concha. Then we'll get to your calls at the bottom of this half hour. 800-941-SEAN if you want to be a part of the program. All right, as we continue, Joe Concha, he is the media reporter with The Hill, and uh, we continue with him. All right, so I've been doing this whole narrative about media fascism, about liberal fascism, about you know, the alt-left propaganda destroyed Trump media. Do I overstate my case? Am I right in describing an environment where any conservative is being monitored, taped every single minute of every day by people that are paid in the hopes we say something wrong to take us down? Am I right that the press from November 9th forward has advanced more conspiracy theories and lies and uncomplimentary things said by so-called journalists than we've ever seen in our life against the sitting president? Am I right or wrong? You can What's say if I'm wrong. Thing, what, do you, what do you think the one thing you need to make a good argument with? What, what, it starts with an F. You use it for houses. Foundation. Right. You have foundation. You know why you have foundation? Because of WikiLeaks. Because you look at all those emails, that is proof. Smoking guns. It shows Glenn Thrush, when he was with Political, forwarding stories to John Podesta and Jennifer Palmieri from the Clinton campaign. It says that Maggie Haberman, with the New York Times, then with Politico, was always counted on to tee up stories just the way they liked for the DNC. It showed somebody like a John Harwood from CNBC advising, actually, Podesta, saying and bragging about questions that he posed to Donald Trump during that CNBC debate. That was a complete debacle where he asked Donald Trump if he was running a comic book campaign. I could go on and on with all the examples of collusions uh, around Reporters working with, in this case, the Clinton campaign. And, Sean, here's the thing. That's one person's email account. Could you imagine if you had access to others what that would expose? So when you make that argument and somebody says, oh, Sean, that's just an opinion. You're just biased. You're conservative attacking the press. Oh, yeah? One word for you. WikiLeaks. Yeah. I mean, it, it wasn't that the single biggest revelation about how corrupt our news media is in this country? It, 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 it really, A, it, it, it may have turned the election because I have this philosophy, and maybe you'll agree with me, that when Trump brings up CNN or MSNBC at a rally, he could bring up those two networks and get far bigger reaction in terms of booze, in terms of people that outright just distrust and dislike those networks because they know they're not being fair. And, and to give MSNBC a little bit of credit, at least they don't try to hide what they are. <laughs> CNN still tries to sell you a bill of goods that they're somehow objective and they're just interested in the truth, which anybody that watches it for three minutes can see that that's not the case, with exceptions of some reporters over there. But for the most part, that's how it is. I would say that your base in the Republican Party, conservatives, dislike the media and those types of networks in the Washington Post and the New York Times of the world far more than if you brought up Chuck Schumer or Nancy Pelosi in the same breath. I, th- I really think they really are. So when I say for the most part journalism's dead in America, I'm not so far off, am I? 
it's such a broad brush. I, I'll say it's not dead on the local level. If you're watching local news, I think they still do really good jobs because it's not political as much. They're reporting on crime and reporting on weather and they're reporting on schools. Those are good reporters. War correspondents are excellent reporters and normally aren't very political as well. When you say it, I want you to adjust it a little bit. Political media is dead in this country, but let's not bring everybody into it. Oh, no, that, let's that not bring, me let's, and the Hill. Yeah, and we're, we're good reporters. No, there, there are good reporters. No, don't be honest. There are good reporters on the Fox News Channel, and there are people that I respect. And by the way, that respect what I do and know that what I'm doing and what they're doing are very different things. Yep, um, op-ed. It's a, every newspaper, right? Uh, the right. front page, you have your news, then you have your op-ed section. Prime time and cable news is the op-ed section. And for people to ever say that, well, Sean Hannity claims he's a journalist, you've never claimed that. And whenever I read that, I just laugh. It's like, do you By the way, you just the opposite. The I mean, it's just the, I, I, I absolutely am straightforward. Do you think there's anybody, this was my argument with Ted Koppel, that doesn't know I'm a conservative and that people can't tell the difference? I think that's naive to think they're that dumb. I don't believe that. I think you've got to give people credit. They're smart. Yeah, it's a, it's a condescending argument, right? That, well, the American people might not be able to understand. They have to have everything spoon-fed to them. Now, they're a lot, they're a lot smarter than people give them credit for, and it's, it's one of the reasons why when the Hill compiled all the newspaper endorsements going into the election, we found 57 of 59 major newspapers had endorsed Hillary Clinton, and these yep. are papers around the country telling people how to vote, how they should think, why they should vote for Hillary Clinton. You know what that got her, Sean? That got her a concession speech. So yeah. people are paying attention. They can tell the All difference, right. and they don't like being told how to think. All right, my friend. Uh, Joe Concha with The Hill. We'll have more on this tonight on Hannity, 10 Eastern, on the Fox News Channel. Media speculate. Is Hannity going to be there? Well, they'll have to tune in. Quick break. Right back. We'll continue. Here are just some of our great achievements from the first 100 days. And I will tell you, in addition to that, we have built such strong foundations with the leaders of foreign countries, and we're set to rock. But we have great relationships with Germany and Japan and China and so many others. The UK, such great relationships. That's part of the process. We've appointed and confirmed a brand-new justice of the United States Supreme Court. To protect our jobs and our economic freedom, I immediately withdrew the United States from the horrible, disastrous, would have been another NAFTA but worse, Trans-Pacific Partnership. We've just launched an investigation into foreign steel dumping and aluminum dumping throughout our country. We are reviewing every single trade deal, and wherever there is cheating, we will take immediate action and there will be penalties. We've removed the shackles on energy exploration imposed by the last administration, lifting the restrictions on the production of oil, shale, and natural gas. And very importantly for Pennsylvania, we have ended the war on beautiful, clean coal, and we are putting our great coal miners back to work. I believe we have a record from the time we got elected, from November 8th. We have a record, an all-time record, for the biggest increase in the stock market. So I'm very happy about that. In keeping our promise to our veterans, I've signed legislation 
to extend veterans' choice to create accountability across government. I've issued a five-year ban on federal officials becoming lobbyists after they leave government service. Good. I'm also very pleased to say that we have finally cleared the way for the construction of the Keystone, XL, and Dakota Access Pipelines. 48,000 new jobs. My administration has also scrapped a job-killing regulation that was threatening our auto workers. We want more cars made in the USA, and that's going to happen. On the legislative front, which we have gotten no credit for, and yet I am signing away. I've signed 29 new bills, a record not surpassed since the Truman administration. All right, 23 now till the top of the hour, 800-941-SEAN, our toll-free telephone number. You want to be a part of the program. All right, let's get to our busy phones here, and let's say hi to Chad. He's in Dallas, Texas, on The Answer, Mark Davis's station. What's up, uh, Chad? How are you? Thanks for listening. Glad you called, sir. I'm doing good, Sean. Thank you so much for taking this call. It's always great to speak with you. I know I had to keep this short and brief, but if there could be an extra a few seconds granted on this, I'd really appreciate it. Uh, number one, I believe that you're the best in the business. Both oh, you're radio. Very I'm not the best. I'm not, but you're very kind. We have some wonderful people in this industry. Not a lot of them, but there are those of us that champion truth and honesty and justice. Thank you. You're welcome. The, the reason that I say that is that this is everybody has an opinion. The reason mine is the way that you can put it into layman's terms, uh, non-big litigation words or government talk, what have you, that you can let your audience uh, understand it, sense-making. And the way you portray to your audience your radio show, I mean, Rush Limbaugh, your buddy, uh, he never lets Mr. Snurdly say a peep. Uh, Mark Lidman, By the way, never lets Mr. Mr. Producer, um, well, first of all, I know... I know Bo Snurdly. I think most people know his name. His real name is James Golden, and he's been on my TV show many times. Um, Look, and and Mr. Producer, I know him, too. He's a great guy. And so, you know, we're all friendlier than maybe some people know or think in this business. Mm -hmm. I admire both of them greatly. And um, but, you know, we all do our own thing. I mean, you know, we don't think the same. We don't act the same. We all do our own thing every day. You know, people thought because me and Mark you know, took a different approach to the primaries that we were somehow against each other, which was never further from the truth. We, you know, we're like brothers. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's, and there would be people try and call my show or call his show and pit us against each other. That's not going to work in my world. Mm -hmm. So I'm I'm loyal to my friends. He's loyal to his. And it is, uh, you know, I think it's good that we're not all alike. Although generally speaking, the left would like to destroy us all, not just me, but Rush and, and Mark and Laura, everybody. Absolutely. It's just the way the the difference, and I think a lot of people, uh, including myself, uh, like your show. I, I love your show, and uh, I listen to the other guys not as much as you. And 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 I'm doing this to tell you, Sean, because the last couple of weeks have been a little bit different and uh, a little noisy, and I think it's a lot of garbage. But it's from the left, so what do you know? And I could also never understand or comprehend how numbers don't lie. I get that. Numbers don't lie. But I can never comprehend how Bill O'Reilly was 
the king of cable television. I never watched his program. I thought he was horrible. But what do I know? That's an opinion. I'm just an irredeemable, deplorable. Listen, listen there are people I, that, that have differing, varying tastes. I know. get it. I understand it. It's, you know, I'm, I'm trying to provide a service every day. And I'm not here to talk about people that aren't here to defend themselves. It's, you know, I... I know in my heart and my team here on radio and my team on TV, I know that what we what our mission is every day. And that is to give you news and information that you won't get elsewhere in as entertaining and informative way as we can with the best guests, the best debates and, you know, have a little fun in the meantime. I mean, I don't know many other hosts that are crazy enough like me to allow Linda to pound on them publicly every day like she does. What? Well, first. She's First dying to jump in. Go ahead. I I can't believe you're saying that I pound so on you. I mean, it's you can't believe it. It's not. I mean, you know, Chad, are you listening to this? It's just it's uh, well, tough love, Sean. It's tough love. Uh-huh. First of all, yeah. Uh, oh, Chad, you're all, a man after my own heart. First of all, okay. First of all, Chad. With this one last thing, Sean, and I'll let you go. Uh, actually, it's two. When are you coming back to Dallas? And not to prolong this. But um, I, I, I didn't watch your show in early 2000s when, excuse me, voice broke there. I didn't watch your show early on when you had Hannity and Combs. And not to prolong this, but if I ever got on your radio show and got through, I know it's been a couple of months, but, um, you know, that was uh, that took a toll on you and not to bring it up again. But this is just one of, one of your daily listeners. I don't watch a whole lot of television, but when I do, I catch your show. And I just, you know, wanted to give, you know, just heartfelt consoles. It's tough when you lose someone that that you work with, uh, you know, that long. So I know he's a good man. Well, listen, I'm going to Chad, I got to let you go because we could talk all day. And Linda is just loving that you said, thank you, Chad. First of all. All right. Thank you, Chad. I appreciate it. Um, Back to our great American, Chad. Did you just take, take, go on the mic anytime you want? This is ridiculous now. John in New Haven, Connecticut. Hello. How are you? Very good. How are you? I'm good. What's going on? I was at a luncheon, and uh, one of the speakers there, a guy by the name of Brett Stevens, I think you might know him. Oh, he was, my buddy uh, that was formerly at the Wall Street Journal that is now at the New York Times. Yes. Yeah, Another never-Trumper, uh, you know, and we wouldn't have Neil Gorsuch if he and people like him had his way. That guy? Yeah, I know him. That guy, uh, he introduces himself by saying that he left the Wall Street Journal because he was hated by a couple of Trump supporters and went to the New York Times to be hated by everyone. Anyway, he continued on and spoke about... By the way, he thinks way too much of of himself. Nobody cares about this guy. Nobody would even (laughs) know him if me and Mark Levin didn't talk about him. Well, that's true. But he does bill himself as a neoconservative, and he did take the opportunity to call you and Breitbart and Fox... Trump news and fake news, and that those that are being called fake news are actually telling the truth, albeit not perfectly. Yeah. Okay, him and his 60,000 Twitter followers. I mean, I'm just so devastated by anything that Brett Stevens has to say. Well, you know, unfortunately, he doesn't understand that people from the left and the left media speak at you, and, uh, and you speak with, uh, with us rather than at us. And they don't get that. Well, I, you know, I know this may sound crazy, but I, 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 I am you. We are each other in this sense. You know, when did I talk about this recently? There, there was a the average American doesn't have like by the tune of 90 percent of Americans don't have two thousand dollars in savings. And I think back to the many, 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 many years that I struggled financially and worked really hard and got my hands dirty. I won't repeat all the jobs I've had. People are sick of it. They tell me. But and 
that's who I am. I haven't changed. I mean, you know, my family will say to me often, well, why don't you go by this? Or why don't you go by that? And I'm like, I don't want that. I don't. Why don't you wear different shirts? They, you know, my family's obsessed with how I dress because I wear jeans and either shoes or cowboy boots or sneakers. That's it. And I don't know. I mean, because I don't want them. I don't need them. I, I feel uncomfortable wearing a suit every day. I don't even wear a suit every day. I only wear the, the jacket, tie, and, and the shirt because Fox makes me. And that's just not who I am. I mean, I, I'm proud of the fact that, 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 is, that those are my roots. And I identify which is why I talk so often about how how devastating the economy has been to 95 million Americans out of the labor force. I know these people. I I know people in this position. It sucks, you know, or people in poverty or people on food stamps or the, you know, 51 year low home ownership rate. I remember when I was in Atlanta, bought my first home. I think I paid one hundred twenty three thousand dollars for it. It was a moment me beaming with pride that I I, I would have been content content to die in that house i loved it so much so i don't like the suffering i see around me and i know the politics plays a big part and a big role in it and i want to i want to do my little part as a spoke in the wheel and make things better and i believe conservatism is the answer with all my heart mind and soul does that make sense sure does it's just disheartening when people go out of their way to try and destroy really what we see as a good man in you and the message that will save us all Mm-hmm. Well, you're very kind to say that. I don't think it's me as much as, as there's a whole group of us, a whole group of us that know that the country can be so much better. You know, I know Trump said this and I know the media attacked him. He's like, oh, I had such a good life before this. It really, you know, people aren't going to cry a river for him, and nor should they. But it is a sacrifice, and it is done out of, I believe, a sincere motivation on his part, because I've known him a couple of decades, that he sees incompetence abound, and he wants to do something about it, because I know I identify and I feel the same way. I've had liberals call this show and say, well, I'm doing, well my, my income went up under Obama. I'm like, okay, well, the hell with everybody else. It's all about you. And so... You know, I just don't see life through that prism. I, I want a rising tide. I want every American that started as a dishwasher and a paperboy and a cook like me to be able to achieve whatever their dream is. In my case, I got behind a radio microphone, horrible at it, fell in love with it, and have been blessed to be able to do this now in my 30th year. So whatever your dream happens to be. And I do feel like so many others that, you know, all right, so I'm a little older now and I look at my kids and I think of the future and I see little kids and I'm like, God, we have to do this, save the country for them. I do feel an obligation, a sense of give back. By the way, I'm not I think I'm just an average person. I think that's the way most people my age think. I think that's the way most Americans think. You know, most Americans are great people. You know, the people that get up and spend their time on a tractor every day or in an 18 wheeler every day or in an office every day or. You know, doctors like our buddy down in Wichita, who I'm still mad at from last week for telling me to take off, Dr. Umber, and all my friends that are doctors and operate on people in the morning at 730 and save some kid's life that day. You know, everybody does their part and offers their contribution to serve other people. The American people, you know, we're, we're all have sinned and fallen short, yes. But the American people, in whatever capacity, whatever role they're playing, are serving other people. I mean, I'm so proud of, like, my team that I'm looking at here, except for Linda. I mean, everybody else. I mean, because they all they all roll their sleeves up every day and 
but but I am proud of everybody that works for me in radio and on TV and how hard they all work. And I said this before, we're not joking here. We we don't go to lunch on this show. But I think it's representative of everybody. I'll give you the last word. Go ahead, John. Well, thank you for doing what you do. It, it is obvious that they're trying to attack you. Uh, we look at you as a regular guy, a family values guy who, who lives for their family and everybody around them. And uh, we really thank you for what you do. I appreciate it, my friend. God bless you. And uh, call back often. We appreciate it. The one radio show you don't want to miss. Sean Hannity is on right now. Hey there, it's Ryan Seacrest for Safeway. Head in store and shop for all your favorite personal care essentials to earn four times rewards points. Shop for products from Olay, Always, Gillette, Vicks, and Crest. Plus, check out new items like Mr. Clean Magic Eraser Ultra Thick Multi-Surface Cleaner. No more sponges or other cleaning products needed. And Head & Shoulders Bare Soothing Hydration Shampoo, a new kind of anti-dandruff shampoo with only nine ingredients. Offer expires March 26. Restrictions apply. Promotions may vary. Visit Safeway.com for more details. Who does Sean Hannity choose when diversifying his savings with gold and silver? None other than the top-rated precious metals company, Gold Co. Gold Co. is a seven-time Inc. 5000 winner with thousands of five-star reviews, and they've helped tens of thousands of Americans place over $2 billion in gold and silver. They're Sean Hannity's top choice. And right now, they're offering up to $10,000 in bonus silver while supplies last. Go to HannityGold.com to learn more. That's HannityGold.com. You know, the Tunnel to Towers Foundation, they support America's greatest heroes, U.S. service members and first responders that die or are catastrophically injured in the line of duty, and they help our homeless vets as well. Now, these are the heroes that we all owe a debt of gratitude to. Now, the Foundation's Gold Star, their fallen first responders, smart home, homeless veteran programs honor the sacrifices made for us by the men and women that risk their lives and their bodies for our country and our communities. Now, the Foundation's Never Forget programs, they engage people in 9-11 remembrances all across the country with over 80 runs and walks and climbs a year, dozens of golf outings and barbecues. They have their Tunnel to Towers 9-11 Institute to educate our kids K-12 through about America's darkest day, all while helping our nation keep its vow to never forget. Anyway, we hope you'll join all of us here at Team Hannity and commit to 11 bucks a month so they can continue this great work. Go to their website, the letter T, the number two, the letter T.org. The letter T, the number two, the letter T.org.